Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Conlon joined by Jack Fitzpatrick and Jack we're going to dive into the Missouri Valley Football Conference Invitational on this podcast I I can't wait to dive into that fully because it just it irks me to my core yeah I mean they got what five bids the number one seed yeah <laughs> like like it's just it's utterly insane to me that a four loss who is it? Missouri State? Missouri State with three of them coming in the spring. And one was Oklahoma, so I'll give a pass on that. Fall. Coming in the fall. Yeah, sorry, the fall. I think what bothers me about that is the FCS could have easily said that fall losses don't count. And then I don't think I would be as upset about it. But it's that they explicitly said they still count. And then... Well, I mean, that's got to... The fall is like the whole reason Jacksonville State has a seat. It, it's funny that isn't that isn't that funny how that works out like so the, the games only help because why, how does Jacksonville State have the four seed over Delaware Weber right any well, <laughs> it's just so frustrating we'll dive into it I think this one's gonna have more ranting than a typical podcast um, but I think that'll be fun it's just it's very frustrating a lot of the the results that happened and and how it happened and I mean. Do we want to talk Richmond first and ease into it, or do we want to just lose our minds? Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little, little Richmond because we have to also talk about how they got completely screwed out of a spot and at large. Yeah, that's fair. Completely screwed. So, of course, they lost to JMU um, in a game that was. I I was watching it, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really blown away by JMU's offensive abilities it seemed like it was a relatively close game and then it just kind of opened up late with that Cole Johnson touchdown run yeah I mean they never I mean look they're a team that settles for a lot of field goals but plays really good defense and Cole Johnson didn't make any mistakes I mean that's really the big thing right the last two weeks that's what we said well I mean that's what we said in the preseason that if Cole Johnson manages the game this team is going to win and I don't think I mean double check the William here I don't think he threw a pick in that game did he I don't think so either no, he didn't. So he's gone two games in a row without throwing an interception. And shockingly, they've won both games by double digits. Like that's kind of what we we thought would happen, right? If he could take care of the ball. So that's basically what's happening. They're running it. They're not running it that well. They're not. They're not at all. It, it seems like the passing attack is what moves the ball for them. 
think it's because teams are right there pounding everybody up at the line. So they're getting some running. They're not like a yard a carry, right? They're not completely stifled, but they're, it's like three to four yards for a in lot of theory, these. I think they're averaging around three yards per carry. And in theory, that's enough to move the chains if you're running it every play and you, this, and you go for it on fourth downs. Like it's not terrible, but at the same time, we were expecting them to be averaging seven yards a carry this season. Right. And the season stats are, are super skewed because they beat the living hell out of Moorhead State, right? So I think when you look, I was looking at the offense and I think they're a top 15, maybe even top 10 scoring offense this this season. And that's mostly because they dropped 52 against Moorhead State and then 36 uh, against Robert Morris. They had the good William Mary game, um, but they've had the two, you know, kind of slow. I would say the offense compared to previous seasons has been less. It's also, I mean, all, all this whole season's been weird for Jamie. And then we'll, just a quick rant on this and then we'll get back into Richmond. I try to throw out Moorhead state and look at like conference only stats. Yeah. I'm talking about Jamie, but then you think of that and it's only three games. So that's also skewed. Like, and then you include Robert Morris, but like, it's just, that's four games. It's so skewed. It's yeah. So skewed, and but it's super skewed. I'm glad they got to play Richmond. I'll say that. I think Richmond's a good football team. That was very playoff worthy. If it's a normal season, I think the way they were playing would have been a playoff team. So yeah. To get that win by double digits gives me a little bit of more confidence about the team. 100%. And yeah, it was it was kind of frustrating to see Richmond, who had played pretty well this spring. And I think like Mancuso, I don't think he's bad. I really don't. I mean, he didn't have a great game, but I think that says something about JMU's defense. He was like nine of twenty-four for 125 yards. So I thought the defense was great, but I still think Richmond's a solid team. And to see them, they weren't even included on the first four out. I mean, yeah, I mean a little bit about the game. JMU won twenty-three to six. Just looking at everything quickly, Mancuso threw for 125 yards, Cole threw for 235, but it, it was a game of defense. I mean, 23 to six kind of tells, right. makes it seem like it was, at one point it was 16, it was 16, six, 13. It was, it was a close game where Richmond was within a score and they just couldn't get anything going. The defense came up big again and again and again. And Mancuso, yeah, couldn't get really anything going. It seemed like whenever he tr tried to kind of get going, the defense would come up with a big sack or they would force a big incompletion. I mean, clearly he was 9 of 24, so there was a lot of incompletions there. Um, but, yeah, now to now to Richmond getting snubbed, he, they, they, were, they were deserving. Their only loss of the season was a competitive-ish loss to the number one team in the country. And you're telling me that drops them from the 12 out of – the playoffs completely and a four loss Missouri state team is in. Come on. That was, that was hard to see. I think they got punished a little bit because they played four games. So they don't have much of a body of work, right? They're three and one. So they only have the one loss, but they That's only valid. have three wins. I think that kind of stinks for them because it's not really their fault. Like the CA didn't have that many games scheduled. I don't rem I don't think they probably didn't even try to schedule non-conference. Um, and then they had some COVID stuff that, that popped up and made it tough. So I thought they were at least worthy of consideration. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're telling me the Valley teams are significantly better. I don't really believe that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just can't get over the fact I keep coming back to Missouri state and I know they only had one loss in the spring, just like Richmond. But if you're going to tell me that Jacksonville state is a seeded team because of their fall resume, you have to hold that accountable for Missouri state where they had three losses in the fall. And so they had four losses coming into this and you're telling me a four loss Missouri Valley team is better than a one loss Richmond team whose only loss was against the number one team in the country. That just, and I know you can argue is JMU worthy of the one seed, 
but just on paper, Jamie was the one seed and that was their only loss. And you're telling me they're not even in the first four out in Missouri's in the lead. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's just, it's wild. And just to go through it, at least the seeds, it's South Dakota State's the one. Sam Houston's the two. JMU's the three. Jacksonville State got the four. And there's only the four because it's 16 teams this year and they, you know, shrunk it down for COVID and all that fun stuff. So it, I have no issue. Here's what I'll say. I have no issue with, with Delaware winning the conference automatic yeah, qualifier. You should talk I, about that. JMU and Delaware essentially were co-champions. Let's, let's yes. call it. I think, I think people got caught up in the verbiage of the announcement. Yes. They were co-champions, but someone had to get the AQ. And it makes sense that Delaware, the team with more wins and played more games, gets the AQ. They were better. Like, they had a better resume. I thought they were more impressive this spring. They, they beat two ranked teams, and yes. at the time, they beat a team that was receiving votes. And they have, like, some blowout wins. Like, they look – I thought they were good. They only they played – Blowout Maine, who was receiving votes. They played one non-conference game, right? So it was four conference wins. Yeah. Yeah, they played really, really well. They were very deserving. Jamie fans were like, the conference is against us. It's like, if this is all political, they're trying to get more teams. That You're telling me this isn't political. They're trying to get Delaware a home game. Meanwhile, two weeks ago, Delaware had already put in their bid to be a predetermined playoff site. The, the AQ didn't matter. Maine also put their name in the hat. And they were not even – they canceled their season. I also saw some people saying it was more beneficial for the conference to – give it to Delaware in terms of maybe Delaware getting a seed, things like that. I think that's true. I don't think that was why they did it. I think Delaware, they won more conference games. They look more impressive doing it. And if the other aspect of it is like trying to help the conference get two seeds, why is that a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. Jamie was clearly getting in. They got in. I, I also would say, I think if Jamie gets the automatic qualifier, there's still the three seed. Yeah. I don't know how much that really affected the, the thing. And the other thing, let me mention this too, for the committee and why, Okay, well, I guess this goes to the next point. I have no issue with JMU's three. None. What I have the issue with is the sneak peek two weeks yes. ago telling me that Chase Kitty nailed this one on the head and again and again in his tweets. JMU is the three. Well, I'll also say I have a problem with South Dakota State being the one. I am, I am a undefeated obsessionist. I think if you have a loss on your resume, that should hurt you no matter what your strength of schedule was. But that's, I guess that's the next point we'll dive into. JMU is the three seed. They look shaky against Robert Morris. They look shaky against Elon. They went on a four-week shutdown. They then looked solid against William & Mary, and then they looked good against Richmond. That resume doesn't tell you number one seed. That resume three is very, very respectable. But, yeah, it's the fact that they gave a two-week sneak peek ago, and – they were number one, and you're telling me then their two best wins of the season come, and then they. F- I don't think they needed to do this sneak peek. It came fifth inning of a Kentucky Mississippi State baseball game that was announced that it would happen like after first pitch, right? There was, there was no warning. The NCAA was like, oh, hey, yeah, this is coming. I don't, maybe they wanted to do it and forgot about it. It seemed like someone who like forgot to turn in their assignment, and they're like, JMU's one right there. It, it looked like good. Took- the top 25 and then we're like let's jumble it let's get Jacksonville stitch just do that they, perfect perfect guys let's just turn this in we, and put we, this out during a baseball game that no one's watching we have two on innings to spare guys we did good let's finish watching this random sec baseball game on a wednesday night on yes yeah. and you 
It was dumb, but I'm fine with them at the three. Like, I mean, you can go back and forth, but I don't have a huge issue with that because the first three games and they've only played five were, were not impressive. So I don't, I don't have much of an issue with that, but it's frustrating. The logic that went into it there. It's frustrating that Delaware wasn't considered for a seed. Like if Delaware and Jacksonville state play and they have a very legitimate chance of doing so based on how the bracket is set up, I think Delaware will win. I think Delaware is a better football team. I've been on the Delaware hype train since the beginning of the season, and I've probably annoyed you. And now I'm trying to annoy the rest of the country of FCS fans that Delaware is a good team. They are a dark horse national championship contender. Yes. And like they get literally like JMU fans can, can create this false narrative that there isn't respect on JMU's name. They're clear, like, okay, you can create that narrative. And, and Kurt Signetti, if you can use that and motivate the team, good on you. Perfect. But there's been no respect on Delaware all season. You're telling me an undefeated team that at one point was allowing one and a half points per game and was just, just dominating the CAA North, which almost national media had declared a top-tier sub yeah. like a top-tier conference. You're telling me they destroyed everyone they faced in that, and they're not even thought of as a C. They're not even a top-four team for the majority of the season? Come on! And some of it, and this is maybe way too, <laughs> way too detailed, but I feel like the local media in Rhode Island and in Maine, I don't think there's that much of an FCS presence. You know, Stony Brook, there's not really, and I hope I'm not, you know, doing a huge disservice to like local media members there, but there's not like a ton of talk about them. You look at like North Dakota, like the amount of beat writers, the amount of radio hosts that are talking exclusively about like, you know, North Dakota, North Dakota State, yeah. South Dakota State, these Valley teams. I think that adds to like this hype that the Valley has all these amazing squads. When in reality, like Maine had a pretty good team this year. Rhode Island had a pretty good team this year. Like for Delaware to to go through the teams that went through in the North, Villanova, I still think Villanova is a decent team to go through those teams. Like I think they deserve more respect. I think that division is kind of close to the Valley. I think the CAA is very close to the Valley. Like yeah. someone, and I, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm upset over this bracket, but people have been com- like saying like, well, the Valley's won of the last 10 years, eight of the national championships or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> no, they haven't. North Dakota state has like, show me the last Valley team that was in the national championship, not named North Dakota state. I think it was Youngstown state. So yeah. I kind of just hurt my own point. Well, they lost but- <laughs> to JMU. So we want to talk about the Valley. Like <laughs> they were overmatched clearly. JMU murdered the Valley that postseason. That 2016 team probably wasn't even as good as the 2017 team, which the other thing that drives me crazy is the North Dakota State fans were like, <laughs> JMU fans think they're at our level. The last four meetings, they're two and two against you. They're a better team this year. You had them in 2018. Like, there's a legitimate chance that they meet in the semifinals in Bridgeforth. JMU goes to three and two in the last five meetings. Like, no one's saying that the last decade that JMU's been there. They're saying the last five years, they have been a worthy foe. That's what they're saying. And that is very much true. And it's annoying, too, because in the last five years, 
JMU has done very similar things to what North Dakota State has done, yet the CAA gets just disrespected each and every year. And there's that one year they put six teams in the field, which may have been a little bit much, but at the same time, it was a little high. And they all kind of floundered, and that really hurt the national perception of Mm -hmm. the CAA. But, I mean, the Missouri Valley really isn't that much better than the CAA, but just this national – like, but, yeah, I mean, you're competing against – I mean – you have Tech UVA in Virginia with competing against JMU, William and Mary in Richmond, trying to get right. space on a newspaper. You're not going to beat Virginia Tech or UVA. You're up in Rhode Island. You're Villanova. I guarantee a basketball story at Villanova in the right. offseason gets more clicks than a football story does. I mean, on Long Island, you're competing with the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Jets. Stony Brook's not cracking the sports page. <laughs> But in North Dakota, what do you have? North Dakota and North Dakota State. Right. I think that's what in like the twins, maybe. <laughs> maybe. If they're okay. If they're if they're, if they're good. Right. So I think that's the thing that kind of stands out is like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think the coverage in terms of what those areas care about, like, and they have good people covering it. I think that's part of it too, is they have people who are consistently covering it and putting out, like, I follow a bunch of the North Dakota State it, people. And, it's treated like an, like an FBS program. Yeah in terms of media attention, because it's, I mean, I'm not trying to like diminish what they do, but like, that's the only sports team they really have within 500 miles. So, <laughs> and that's why I guess you, what hockey excitement, but I don't think North Dakota state, do they have a hockey team? No, no, but North I mean, Dakota does. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, I mean, North it's, Dakota it's, state probably does have a hot, probably. Does. I meant, I was meant, I meant like the state professionally and they don't, right? Oh no. Yes. They do probably have college teams. So that makes sense. Okay. So it's like the, Minnesota Wild, right? Would that be the best? It doesn't matter. But <laughs> did I cut out? A little bit, but Minnesota I was, Wild. I was, yeah, I was just saying that, like, that would sort of be what they have in comparison. So, I mean, that's that's the number one thing going on. You got a lot of people covering it. So, I think it helps build up that Valley prestige. You also, one of the main national people lives in, like, Minnesota with Sam Herter. Like, he covers the Valley more than he knocked to you know, dump on Sam Herter, but he covers the Valley more than he covers the CAA and knows more about the Valley than he does the CAA because that's what he's around all the time. Yeah. And last thing, I guess, and then our, our I don't know. I kind of want to rant just this whole episode. We'll keep ranting. <laughs> what, what's your top four seats? I think I would have, I'm okay with South Dakota State at one, to be honest with you. I know the loss. So if you want to have JMU at one, whatever, but I would I have James, whatever happens, I'd be, I don't know how JMU's not a top two seed. I kind of like like something with, uh, I'll keep South Dakota State at one, whatever. I'll have JMU at two. I'm going to be honest. I might go like Delaware and then Weber. Okay. Three, four, something. I really feel high on Delaware. Weber did win on a Hail Mary. So when we look at the undefeated record, it's like, eh, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. See, I would go, I would go. You got Sam Houston at one. You got the boys, the Bearcats. I got Sam Houston at one. I like that. Um, I got – I like – I'm okay with South Dakota State being ahead of JMU um, just because they had more chances to lose, and then they did lose. JMU only played five games for five games. I thought you were, uh, thought you were an undefeated obsessionist. I am. I am. But at the same t- – I'm more so at the one seed. Like, got it. I okay. think there were more deserving teams to be up the there. Okay. I think Sam Houston, South Dakota, Delaware – JMU. I think Delaware is a better team than JMU. And I think JMU unseated. What? You got JMU unseated. No, I got JMU at four. Those were, was that four? Sam Houston. 
I thought you had Weber. You don't Weber. Oh no, Weber. Yeah. So Weber's Sam kind Houston, of a fraudulent undefeated. I do Sam think Houston, they should. Yeah, South Sam, Dakota. Yeah, Delaware, JMU. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think Delaware was very deserving of a seed. Yeah, I. Maybe it's just that I was writing the CAA power rank- rankings every single week, and I was obsessing over their points per game at one point. And I was obsessing over just their pure, just, just, what's that called when you can do both things equally well? Balance. Balance. Yeah, they got. I mean, the, no I like QB. They have a good rushing attack, and their defense is elite. They're a good football. You're telling me that doesn't win you a national championship in the FCS? That wins you. That can win you a national championship. I like their road, um, by the way, to the semifinals at the very least. They would have. Oh, I forget who they open with. I think that top bracket with South Dakota State, Holy Cross, Southern Illinois, and Weber is kind of a weak bracket up there. Not Weber. Weber. I meant a good bracket. Sorry, I completely (laughs) said the exact opposite of what I meant. I think mainly because I think Weber and South Dakota, whoever comes out of that is going to be a tough tough team to beat in the semis can i say one thing 16 teams so much better than 24 jack yeah and it creates us to talk about more things here here we're arguing about should richmond get in over missouri state and all this other. it just lends i mean there's more snubs when you're 24 almost every team that deserves it gets <laughs> right. in. when it's 16 there are teams that deserve it that don't get in i think what's interesting too is like the matchups are cool and they're cool like quicker like normally in the first round, JMU's got like just an absolute a buy pansy, right? They get a buy, and then they probably have another team that's like blah. I think VMI could be somewhat competitive, and we'll talk about that shortly. But I th- I'm just excited about the bracket. I'm excited to watch the other games, which I'm almost never excited to do. Yeah, I also will say this: I think in a weird way, JMU got the easiest draw. Maybe Delaware got a, a, a Delaware down like there, Jacksonville State. I think the one and two seeds got the harder draws. Although I think that's a really good point too, because I think that Delaware's draw would be easy until you get South Dakota state. Right. I think JMU's draw to the championship, which is probably what you're saying is, is pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, your fate, I mean, yeah. And then for that, for the Sam Houston plays, you got Sam Houston against Monmouth, which Monmouth isn't crazy. Ooh, I don't, I don't know, man. I like Monmouth. I think okay. they could put a scare into them. North Dakota state and Eastern Washington. That's like gonna Eastern be a Washington sick game. might win that. That's going to be a sick yeah. game. And, and then from there, I think whoever wins the North Dakota State-Eastern Washington game is going to the semis. I think there's a legitimate chance there. Yeah. I think I, think, uh, I won't count out Sam Houston this year because I think North Dakota is down. I think Eastern Washington is down. But also, if I was betting – I. If they were like the favorite, oh my god, I'm hammering whoever that dog is playing. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I do think it might be because I'm a little little shaded. I follow a few Sam Houston beat writers, and they've been hyping up that they're like the defense is good this season, the offense is elite, like it always is. They a couple times they had low scoring games where they won. See, that's a that's promising because normally you watch them and then it's like they did it 63 to 54. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what are they doing? Yeah, so. Um, do we want to do we want to run through and give some quick picks on this thing? Yeah, let's do a, a quick pick. Give me your bracket. Just just hit me with it. Who do you got coming out of the top? Hold on, I gotta bring it up. I had it on the the NCAA page and it keeps playing like. Which side is the top? South Dakota. All right. I think whole. I like what Holy Cross is building. Um, they're okay, not going to win that game. They're like tw- they're like twenty four point dogs or something of something crazy so south dakota state wins that 
I like Weaver State to play South Dakota State. I think South Dakota State's better. Give me South Dakota State in that semi. Delaware, I think, is going to destroy Sacred Heart. Davidson Jacksonville State has me somewhat excited. Remember when we were trashing on Elon <laughs> for losing to Davidson? Well, they they ended up winning, right, with the late comeback. Oh, you meant oh. like they were, but they were losing by a lot. I think they won the game. Did they? That was I think that was their opening game, and we we're like, oh, what dirt, what nerds, oh, okay. and, and then they won. But Davidson's legit, even though they're non scholarship. So I think it'll be Delaware, Jacksonville State. I think Delaware's getting that one. I think it'll be Delaware. South Dakota State. I kind of, I think Delaware is going to beat them. I do too. So I'll, I'll go with Delaware on that side. What about you? What do you got? Um, I'm not to be the same, but I got is it South exactly Dakota. the same. It's, it's, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that side of the bracket's easy. Southern Illinois, I thought, had canceled their season at one point. <laughs> I think Weber State's funny because, like, I can make a case for them as a seed. I also don't think they're that good. Yeah, they had a couple close wins. They had the Hail Mary went over, I think, a bad Northern Arizona team. So, I mean, they're they're a weird team. They can catch fire, but they can also just completely poop the bed. South right. Dakota State is solid. They're As much as I hate them being the one seed, they're, they're a good one seed. Delaware is going to destroy Sacred Heart. I think Delaware has a chip on their shoulder. I think Delaware is a top team in the nation. It should have been a top four seed. And I think Jacksonville State will feel that wrath. And I think Delaware makes its way to the championship. Over to the right side. I want to add one more point. I'll make you do the right side first. But I want to say, I think it is, and this is no reaction on my end. I think it's a clown show that all of these games are on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I didn't. Why were there not Friday night games? Or or Friday night games would be perfect. What the heck is going on in the sports world on a Friday night in April? Give me two Friday night games. Give me a 5 p.m. kick and a... What else is happening? Baseball? NBA games? It's sorry. It's so frustrating because, like, Saturday. it's frustrating because we, uh, I remember when we were talking about the spring schedule, we were like, and when the F- when the playoffs come, there's going to be nothing happening and it's going to be just pure FCS football. And then it's just not that at all. Because then the other thing that they did, and I can't remember what exactly, let me see here, but the, uh, the quarterfinals next weekend, they do have a Saturday-Sunday flip in the two two games Sunday. It's like 7 and 9 o'clock or something, and they're both like ESPN2 or 6 and 9 o'clock. Okay. Right side of the bracket, I'm going to break down. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> All right. You go the right side. I got JMU going to beat VMI. I think that's going to be a close game, but as the fans have let us know in our mentions, the weather is going to play a factor, and we'll dive into that matchup next. But I think JMU wins that. Missouri State, North Dakota. I think North Dakota wins. I don't think Missouri State is that great. Um, North Dakota State, Eastern Washington. I got Eastern Washington. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, I got Sam Houston. <laughs> I think Sam Houston will take, take down Eastern Washington. I think JMU will take down North Dakota. And then I think JMU Delaware in the championship. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be funny? That's what I'm hoping for. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. I would go nuts. I think Delaware might beat us. But I will take (laughs) – I kind of go the same for most of these picks. I feel like everyone has really similar picks. There will be some surprising upsets. But JMU, I think, does get it done. I think North Dakota is a better team than Missouri State. They'll win that one. I really want to take Eastern Washington, but I don't have it in me. Like, I thought North Dakota State would, like, completely flounder this year, and they haven't totally. I thought they were going to lose to North Dakota. I thought they were going to be a three-loss team out of the – I didn't think they were making the playoffs. What I will say is that Eastern Washington can throw the ball. Their quarterback is a stud. So 
They can score. I, I like the over in that game. It's at 56 points. I already bet that this week. North Dakota State also has to travel to Eastern Washington. Is that game in Eastern Washington? Yes. What? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They do it weird. I forgot. It's in the dome, right? They just set it up on the thing incorrectly. Yeah. Like in the bracket. Yeah. Where normally the bottom team is the home team. It, yeah, idiots. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, folks. All right. Well, I still I like North Dakota State. I think in the dome, I'll take them. Although I kind of like that passing attack in a dome, like that very much. But I'm going to take North Dakota State. I think they'll play Sam Houston. I think North Dakota State's going to eke out a win over Sam Houston. I think it's going to be JMU and North Dakota State in the semis at Bridgeforth. And I think we're going to smack them in the face. How fun would I hope that happens? The, oh, it just stinks because it's like what is it going to be like six thousand people? Instead of twenty five, we might have to we might have to plan it. If North Dakota State plays JMU, I might be coming down to Harrisonburg. <laughs> yeah, if we can get in that stadium. I think we might have to try to make it happen. Yeah. Okay. And then JMU Delaware championship is that? Is oh that- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll beat them, and and I think it'll be a JMU uh, Delaware national championship. <laughs> I got Delaware. I, I kind of think I Delaware. Think I would, <laughs> I'd hope JMU, and I would root my heart out for JMU, but at the same time, like. I don't know. Delaware's it, really good. This is a terrible take, <laughs> but it would be kind of fun, kind of fun in a way. If JMU doesn't win, I'm hoping Delaware does just for the conference and like building out that rivalry and that stuff. But if they play each other and JMU wins, I still think it helps the rivalry to have a, a CA national championship. It would be very cool. Yeah. I also think last point on this whole thing about JMU, I guess we'll talk about this going, coming into the matchup. Let's just talk about the, the matchup against VMI. JMU opens as 14 and a half point favorites. The forecast is looking bad, rainy. It's looking rainy, Jack, and that's bad for some people, but for people who have to cover UVA baseball on Saturday and could have that game rained out while still watching this game, it's a great forecast. And it's bad for VMI, too, who gets a majority of their yards through the air. They're not a good rushing attack. They're a very good passing attack. Yeah, we got to talk about this. Um, Also, I saw they had it broken. The score is broken down by quarter. They're a great first and third quarter team, which to me tells me they have a really good script. And then once you get off script, they're not that good. I think they scored 44 points all season in the second quarter and 46 points all season in the fourth quarter. Um, Jamie's been typically a better second half team than they have been first half. So, I mean, it's just just a little tidbit fun thing to, to, to chew on. But what do you got? What do you think? Well, first off, when I see a military team, military institute or academy. Expect triple option. Yes. And I had assumed <laughs> incorrectly all season they were running a triple option. And then I, <laughs> I see. And then you the, saw they averaged 100 <laughs> yards rushing a game. And you're like, wow, this triple option sucks. How are they six and one? I saw Bill Connolly, who does stuff at ESPN, um, had tweeted. He does like S&P, I think it's called. That doesn't sound right. That sounds like SP. Maybe it's SP plus, but whatever. Whatever he does, it's like an analytical thing. And he's also done it with the FCS a little bit uh, this spring. And he was talking about, he had mentioned that, you know, it's a fun matchup because like JMU stops the run, but VMI is not even going to try to run. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. They run a triple option. <laughs> so then I look up the stats, they're throwing for like 300 yards a game, can't run the ball, don't try to run the ball, have no interest in running the ball. And I was like, that is very unique. And they go up tempo, apparently. Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, we, we kind of jokingly brought up the weather, but if it's a rainy, nasty day, like, they can't run the ball. Well, this It does benefit them that this is a turf field, not like a muddy, grass, right. icky field. It's going to be interesting to see how they attack through the air when it's a rainy day. And it's – I mean, this secondary really 
hasn't been tested. They faced a third string Elon quarterback. They faced a second string Richmond, I mean, William and Mary quarterback. And then the defense just got to Jim, Joe Mancuso in terms of just dominating the line of scrimmage. So he went nine of 24, only threw for a hundred yards. And that was probably the best quarterback they faced all season. The, if this clears up and it's a nice, beautiful day, who knows what, what happens with the weather within the next couple of days. Jane, you might have their hands full. Very good point, especially on the weather. Um, you know, it's Wednesday. We're talking on this forecast. Yeah. That stuff can change pretty darn quickly, especially with like the mountains and, and how all that goes. So we will see what happens there. But yeah, like they can throw it. They can move the ball. Like they're, they're a good team. They also, you know, stupid sports cliches, but they, I mean, really have nothing to lose. Like this is the first time they've ever been in the playoffs. They're playing well. It's like a historic season. I think they last won the SoCon or something or their conference in 1980. So like it's a historic season already. And I mean, they were talking, I forget the article you sent me, but the quote was basically their coach was like, we get to stay in a hotel and not have to do like military stuff. He was like, this, he's like, win or lose, we're going up there and we're having ourselves a time. And it's like, to me, that was kind of weird. Just like the way to say like win or lose, <laughs> like he has that in his mind, but I understand I his sentiment of like, we're just going to go up there and we're going to have fun. They're going to play free and have fun. The other part that I love about this is normally when you look at these kind of games and you see rain, you're like, this will help the underdog, right? They can slow it down, pull the upset. We're talking about the number three <laughs> seed, number one team, in the country all season that's been, or maybe not all season, but most of the season, I think maybe all season. And, um, yeah, we're talking about how the, the rain is going to benefit JMU so that they can just run the ball 40 times and win 13 to 6. <laughs> this might have like the you and I game from last playoff where it was just oh. like foggy, cold, and ugly. <laughs> I do not want to watch a repeat of that game. What you and I took until like the fourth quarter to get past the 50. That was such a terrible game. I remember I was I was working at Wine Dad's up here in Hoboken and I was stocking the fridge like the whole game. And I just was like in this cold fridge watching this game on my phone. And I was like, what am I watching right now? Nothing happened there. Even the Weaver state game was kind of like slow, except for the halftime, like Hail Mary to Stapleton, but their whole playoff run. I mean, they, I guess what they beat the living crap out of Monmouth. That was their only like big offensive onslaught. But do you think, so do you think Jamie will cover this? 14 and a half points. I didn't think they were going to cover against William Mary. I thought they were going to lose. <laughs> so did I. And I, well, I also didn't know that they weren't going to have their starting quarterback and their starting running back. But um, I guess JMU had the same situation. So didn't think apparently they were Cole's the starter now. Oh, Cole is the starter. Cole's the guy. Like Gage, they used him in like a wildcat a little bit. Gage got Wally pipped without okay. ever starting a game. So they, Kurt Zignetti said that the guys who were honored for senior day have not all technically made up their mind. Yeah, okay so they honored like seven of the seniors but they're going to come back and the other guys are the other guys who weren't honored i assume would clearly come back otherwise like that's kind of a slight why wouldn't you honor them but like cole johnson my impression of him being honored is that cole johnson's not gonna be back really that would be my guess now okay. i know that they they wouldn't commit to that but i don't know why you would honor them unless they were very much on the fence or considering it i think he'll leave um join an nfl team perhaps no, i'm just kidding uh, I think he'll leave, and then Gage will have a chance next year, although I fully expect them to bring him to transfer. I don't hate – I remember that this whole offseason back in the summer when we thought they were going to play a fall season. Yeah. I remember I just kept pounding the drum of, I, I think an FBS transfer is <laughs> going to start for him, I think. And then it 
I feel like the pandemic made that a little harder, especially with the uncertainty with FCS. I think this offseason, an FBS kid who goes through spring and realizes he won't play could definitely be like, you know what? Why don't I go try to win a national championship at this level? Yeah, maybe like a JT Daniels type. I mean, if they can – Sam Howell at North Carolina is a name that <laughs> – No, I'm not saying he's coming, but I'm saying if you I've can been get... hearing bumblings, kind of like Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is going to change his mind and go to Jamie basketball. We'll get into that later. But um, I'm going to say my, I guess my original point was that they, I didn't think they would cover against Richmond or William Mary. And they did. I don't really think they'll cover this one, but I don't have a good beat on this team. So I'm going to say that they do cover. I don't think they're going to cover. I think they're going to win by 14. You think they're going to win by exactly 14. That's going to be my bold prediction of the week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised either. Give me a, give me a, a score that, that wouldn't surprise you. Assuming 21 rain, to seven. 21 to seven. God, that's, <laughs> that sounds too accurate and also boring. Or even 24, 10. 21 to seven does or not. Maybe, maybe here's, here's a probably more accurate one. 20 to seven. They score yeah, a gotta, touchdown and JMU's in the red zone twice and settles for field goals. Yeah. I was going to say like in pivotal what? moments of the game. Like <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Here's, here's, I wouldn't be surprised if VMI scores the first touchdown. JMU then comes back, drives down the field, gets to the 20, kicks a field goal. Then VMI like has a really good drive, but they throw a pick. And then JMU again drives down the field, gets to the twenty, kicks a field goal. And then you go into halftime down seven to six, and you're like, "What's happening?" And then they score fourteen points, and then they win twenty to seven. Have you watched this game before? That was really specific. Isn't but is but can't you see that yeah. happening? And like seeing JMU Twitter go up in flames at halftime, being down a point. I mean, VMI is a good team. Like, I think they could definitely push them a little bit. What yeah. I think is is interesting is that um, they had started really slow. And William Mary, they murdered them immediately. Richmond, they came out on fire and then sort of settled in. And by settled in, I mean punted <laughs> and struggled to score. <laughs> but they settled in, I guess, and, and ended up just winning at a defense. So I think they've gotten a little more sense of urgency coming out of the gates, which is good. But, yeah, I think VMI could certainly push them. And the one thing that I also think is, you mentioned it, it's a turf field. Like, you can still throw a football in the rain. Yeah. Like, it's not impossible. And, like, running the ball, you can still fumble it now with it more slippery. So, it's not like, oh, VMI is going to have to run every play. Like, just because it's raining doesn't The the only thing (laughs) is you might see more slips. I I think the game will – I mean, I feel like we've said this before every single game, and it's a cliche at this point. But this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. When Jamie was struggling against Robert Morris and Elon, the defensive front seven just wasn't getting pushed, wasn't getting pressure on the quarterback. And now you've seen against William & Mary and specifically against Richmond, they're getting that push, they're getting pressure on the quarterback, and the quarterbacks are faltering. And I don't think VMI has seen a front seven like JMU's all season. So it, it depends on how well they can stand up, how well the pressure gets to the quarterback against VMI. And then we'll see if they make mistakes there. We'll see if that hurries kind of timing routes. Because I think the secondary can be picked apart if the VMI court, I don't know his name, if the VMI quarterback is left just given time, I think, I think the secondary will easily be picked apart. So this front seven is going to be pivotal. Also worth noting, they started the season with a senior quarterback, got hurt, freshman came in. He has been really, really good for them. But also worth noting that like they came into the season with this guy who was experienced and had been playing really well, and now they're down to a freshman. So that that certainly hurts VMI a little bit. I imagine there will be some nerves first playoff game uh, for the team. So so some pressure on him for sure. Even though they're going to come in free, there's still anxiety and, and yeah. anxiousness that goes with that stuff. And let's talk a little more about VMI because they have that 6-1 and one record, but it's not like they've just 
blown everybody out. Like they've been tested a few times. They do have one loss. They almost lost another couple other games. They what would they they opened their season with a one point win? No, yeah, a one point win over at the time. This was a huge win mm-hmm. over number ten Furman. That's how they opened their season. Fantastic by them. They then went on a run against Western Carolina and Mercer, where they just blew them out. One in OT against Samford, squeaked by Wolford. Wofford. Yes, but I like Wofford more. Okay, maybe um, we could maybe we could bring that in. <laughs> they lost to East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then they they pretty handedly beat the Citadel. They made that one more interesting than it could have been, too, though. So it was um, – they go up 14-0 in the first quarter. Because you were mentioning – This is uh, – sorry, no, this is the uh, the last one against Citadel. The Citadel. Okay. They went up big time early, and then they, they kind of struggled a little bit. It got down to 21-17 in the fourth quarter. So then they ended up scoring there late and finding a way to win. Um, they had it. I guess 10 points in the, in the last, actually the recap seems inaccurate based on the box score. So, but they, it got cut a little bit tighter. Let me see if they actually have the times, right. I don't think they do with how they, they matched it with their box score here. No, they were up, they were up seven throughout. Yeah. It was the third quarter. So they were up seven going into the fourth quarter. Um, his name is Jared Rice, which is sick. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. What? These names are incredible. Sorry. Jerry Rice with a field goal. Michael Jackson with a 50-yard touchdown reception. That can't be real. <laughs> this isn't a real team. <laughs> That's what it says, man. Seth Morgan's the freshman. But they're, they're – yeah, I mean, they Knox, didn't, like, slow Rashad out. Rashad Raymond. Though. These names. Oh, and they got the, the linebacker whose name is Stone. I love these guys. But they're a good team. Don't they're not like a – they're not a dominant team. So like no, if I, they beat if they beat JMU, it's gonna be like a one score game. Yeah. It's gonna be JMU making mistakes. JMU will right. beat itself. If if JMU loses, it's yes. gonna be because they beat themselves. Here's my other thing. I understand why they've been so cautious where they run the ball, they pass it a little bit, they kick their field goals, they play their defense. But God, I need them in the postseason to show Open up me that playbook something. They've been they've been holding on to. Find the Donnie Kerbstrick mattress playbook. No, but I want to see them do more. Remember that one playoff game when they had that like wide receiver pass against New Hampshire when Houston was here that went for a touchdown, and even against William and Mary this year they faked a field goal for a touchdown. Like, just show me some of that. Show me like a flick, flick flicker, a reverse, something. Show me a Harry O'Kelly run. We haven't yeah. seen one of the – you would get Bridgeforth rocking if the first punt of the day is a Harry – like if it's fourth and two, and just say, Harry, have fun. Or give me the Wildcat with Gage and Latrell Palmer. Pound them in the mouth with something like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in this game, right? It's against BMI. But like North Dakota, if they do have North Dakota next, it's not a bad team at all. They've, they've done well in the Valley. And then if you get to the semis where you're playing, you know, probably Monmouth, no, but where you're where you're playing, you know, maybe North Dakota State, Eastern Washington, Sam Houston, like anyone but Monmouth. Show yes, show me something in that game. That's yeah. my take. Yeah, that's great. So from there, I think we covered football. We got a good rant off. I think quickly we can hit the the newest men's basketball transfer. The newest transfer, Tyree. I'm gonna mispronounce his last name, but he is a transfer from North Dakota who he averaged about nine points, a little under nine points a game. 8.7. Yes. He had, what was it, 5.7 rebounds, something like that. 
a good all around freshman. I think it, it needs to be said that he was a freshman, started in twenty one games, played in twenty two, and and had some and had some solid stats. Summit League freshman of the year. Yeah. I mean forty one point seven percent shooting, thirty five percent from deep, which is pretty solid. Yeah. Um five point six rebounds per game for a six four guard is really good and four point two assists per game. He's a good all around player and he may even slide in at the one. He can play point guard. Like I think, I think he was brought in to be point guard because, as much as we love Vado, Vado, sorry, I, it's, it's hard, man. I'll get his name right. His senior season, he's a fantastic scorer, but I don't know if I one hundred percent trust him ball handling it and making the decision. I mean, maybe he has a great off season. He becomes a great point guard, but from what he's what we saw last year, he was an elite scorer, but not necessarily an elite decision maker. Um, same with Hodge. I mean, a fantastic elite scorer who can who can just fill it in from deep is he the best necessarily ball hander? And I think they brought in Tyree to be a elite ball distributor. And now they've got a bunch of guys who can kind of handle it a little bit. I think Falden from Winthrop has a, a decent handle and can do yeah. some things. So they've got multiple point guard options with Strickland too. He's a really good ball handler and defender. Yeah. So they got options there. Um, they have one scholarship left. Shane Metlin was tweeting yesterday that that could be filled today on Wednesday. He said it wouldn't, uh, not a done deal, but he would not be surprised if it was filled the, the final give me spot a forward please give me someone taller than six please <laughs> jack they don't have any forwards and i know we've talked about this but good lord man they don't have any big guys we've talked about this at nauseum so many times we tweet about it i feel like every time they announce a new guard transfer you guys get the picture i mean they have one more scholarship left their tallest players julian wooden who's never sniffed the five and their five is justin amadi who's six seven great players they can rebound above their height but i want a tall player i want a dwight wilson i want to i want to a poor man's Cameron Crutwig. Give me a big body in the lane who can just fill space and pull down rebounds and and do a weird weird layup twist thing. Just give me something like that. Just just give me someone tall, please. Six seven or up, please. That would be massive. The other thing I'll say is that they don't necessarily have to be <clears throat> great this year. Second year of Byington got a lot of guards. I think they'll be good enough to get contend in the league if they can get bigs three, you know, another year or two down the line. So third year, Biden, fourth year, and then build there. That's okay too. I don't want to put too many expectations on this program. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, they don't have it, any big guys. It, it, I get what you're saying and a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, don't bring in a big guy just to bring in a big guy, bring in talent. And that's, I think we what saw that doing. with, with Mensa, right. Where he came in and wasn't able to contribute at all. Exactly. And that was just filling up a scholarship who, who knows who they could have gotten instead. My thing is just like, it's just so many guards. Like, the old, even looking at forwards. The only positive, I guess, is that um, the newest transfer from North Dakota, like you mentioned, can really go, really rebound for a 6'4 guy. Uh, Molson from Seton Hall has some size. He can rebound at 6'5". Then Edwards at 6'6 six, six is a good rebounder for his size. And Amadi at least has a good leaping ability. Wooden can rebound. So if they do gain rebounding, but there's also, like the CAA is not a great league, but they typically have, some big bodies that can give you some trouble. And that's my concern. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking, I mean, that's kind of how Elon battled back into the game. They just couldn't rebound. And yeah. you look at Hofstra who has two Isaac Conti and another freshman from last season, who is a, who is a solid big man. You look at that. And I imagine Northeastern probably has a six ten guy on their roster. And you look at Drexel probably too. Like it's not an elite team. And at the end of the day, I think Byington understands that, and he knows if we're an elite scoring team, we're probably going to win most of the games, whereas if we're an elite defensive team, we might be Northeastern and not be that great. So 
I'm also excited. I think defensively, the ball pressure has got a chance to be really good. I think they can be active. I think they can run because they literally don't have any big people. <laughs> so it's easier to run when everyone is 6'4 or 6'3. And they also lost a bunch of 6'3 to 6'5 people. So when they fill in the 6'3, 6'5 guys, it replaces them. It's not quite like, wow, this is only yeah six five guys because they also have some six feet guys they also go smaller jack they go even smaller i think that's a really good point too about your on ball pressure is that they were had such active hands last last season Mm -hmm. that they didn't need to rebound because they were they were getting the ball back in ways that weren't rebounding really As, as much as second chance points hurt and are like demoralizing at the same time a rebound is essentially a turnover if you think about it in terms like that and they were they were averaging like 18 turnovers. They were forcing like 18 turnovers a game, which kind of helped not being able to rebound. And so that'll be interesting to see. Um, and yeah, one more scholarship left. Let's hope they get a guard, but let's just hope they get someone good. I think that, I think at the end yeah. of the day, you make a great point that rec- try to get transfers that are talented. Don't necessarily re- you recruit for needs, get trans. I think we're going to start seeing that in college basketball. You recruit for needs yeah. and you, you, you recruit transfers to make an immediate impact on your program and that's through talent yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds going into future seasons i also think getting fans back in the building which should happen next year can make an impression on recruits also the fact that they don't suck anymore definitely makes an impression on recruits they're winning a little bit i think they'll eventually get better and they're going to get like i keep talking about they'll get a guy who is good enough to lead jamie to the tournament and and lead mark buyington to a new job Um, yes okay on that, let's move to Olympic sports in the final. Let's try to do this within an hour. Final 10 minutes of this podcast. We got to hit field hockey, men's soccer, lacrosse, and softball. Just real quick. I mean, they're all ranked, nationally ranked, and they're all doing great. I think we need to start with field hockey. We've been kind of down on them the last couple of years. Not as a mean way, but they've just they've suffered through. I think since we started this podcast, they've suffered through tough seasons. But now it seems like they're an elite defensive team, not the greatest offensive, but when you're such an elite defensive squad, I mean, you don't need to be the best offensive squad. They're number 20 in the nation. Only loss so far was against number 14 UVA. And it's really hard to score in field hockey. Like the amount of nonsensical rules and like random whistles that the refs blow where they're like, oh, you touched it with your stick. And it's like, that's not allowed is just absurd you can't touch it with the outside of your stick you can't bring it up like past hip height yes there's there's all these different things that make it really challenging it's hard to score it's it's i mean just from watching uva like some of those games like are battles and it's like one to one or one to zero so if you can be good defensively that's absolutely massive and i was looking the ncaa tournament format is somewhat comical um normally it's 16 teams for field hockey which is just like they rank 20 teams in the top, in their top 20 poll and four of those aren't, you know, like you're missing those. Plus you have automatic qualifiers of teams who aren't ranked. So this year, from what I saw, 10 automatic teams and no automatic. (laughs) Honestly, it's that close. It's 10 automatic qualifiers in two at large. Not making the tournament. You got to win that. And if they do, I mean, then we'll see what the matchups are, but then you're one of the final 12 teams in the country, which would be super exciting for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And now quick hit on men's soccer. Talk about drama, man. This was funny because we were both like kind of paying attention, but, <laughs> but well, it was, I think at like different times. We dropped the podcast last week on the day of the semifinal. 
Yes. Which I don't think we, we didn't realize. We were not like, particularly aware of that fact. <laughs> and then they all like we I, we finished the podcast. I checked Twitter, and then they're down one zero. And I was like, mm-hmm. we just talked about how T.J. Bush allowed one goal all season, and now he just allowed one, and they're probably going to lose. Then JMU fights back. They win that game. And then the championship, they go to PKs. And then I looked at the score. I forgot that in PKs, they take out, like, the goals, like, from the actual game, and then they show right. how many you've scored. So I looked at the, the, the game, and I saw JMU 7, Drexel 7, and I was like, holy crap, T.J. Bush allowed seven goals? That's all. But now number 17 <laughs> in the country, they're facing UCF in the first round of the NCAA tournament. This is their 15th all-time appearance in the NCAA tournament. They should be a tough out. I think this is probably one of the best men's soccer teams we've seen in a long time because TJ Bush is an elite goalkeeper. Yeah, and they were, what was it, Ferial, who they kind of leaned on the last couple of years to be a big-time goal scorer, and they, they made the Elite Eight run. Um, and it led to that like really horrible day as a JMU fan where like football lost to Colgate. They lost to Michigan State. This whole thing, but anyway, they're a really good program. They've going the right direction, and, and you've mentioned it. But I guess, what are your thoughts on having a goalkeeper like TJ Bush in a tournament setting? I mean, how valuable can that be? Well, I mean, when you can look at your goalkeeper and you're like, okay, we only need at most two goals today to win. That's huge. <laughs> like, and then as as an opponent, you're coming into this game and you're like, this is going to be a dogfight to get a goal. So not only do we have to have an elite offensive attack, our defense can't let anything easy through. And it's just added pressure to the other team. And I think it's going to be – I think T.J. Bush, Jamie's going to go as far as teach – I mean, as duh, because a goalkeeper is so right. important in soccer. But even even more so in this case, I think that this team is going to go as far as T.J. Bush allows them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's spot on. And that's kind of what they did in the Elite Eight run, right? They'd score an early goal, and then you're like, wow, this defense is good enough to like – that could be enough. So, which I mean, in soccer, that's really yeah. that's the form that, that would be if, if you, I was a coach, that's the formula. Let's let's put on ball pressure, let's pressure heavily in the first 15 20 minutes of this match. We'll, we're going to get a goal, and then from there, we are going to just clamp down on defense. When we get the ball, we're going to play possession. I'm excited for him. I also I have a, a take that I think they're playing UCF, who won the American Athletic Conference. Um, I think whichever team wins that game, if JMU wins, I think JMU should be invited to the American Athletic Conference. All right. Okay. In all sports. So Next big up. game for that reason. Next up, lacrosse. <laughs> well, I feel like this is like an apology podcast because we had like field hockey in the past. We're like, oh, you know, they've, they've lost a step. And then lacrosse, I was like, oh, they're having a down year. Then they go beat a ranked Towson team and, and crack the top 25. They're not a national title contender in my book. Like the top teams this year are nuts. Um, the NCAA website is trash and was really hard to find if they had altered the NCAA tournament format at all. But I imagine they might need the auto bid to get in there. Um, you would put in our outline, what's the ceiling for me, it's probably getting in and maybe winning a game depending yeah. on the draw, but. but I think, yeah, I think they're a good team. I think they should, they show really great flashes and they have mm-hmm. the ability to be really good, but a couple of bad losses this season, I think a bad loss against Elon. Elon's turned out to be good, but still, but it's game is better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they should probably have five to four too. I think you're expecting a whole lot more, but yeah. I was, I was shocked. I kind of ragged on Elon earlier on a newsletter and it was like, this is a terrible loss and it's only going to hurt them. And then I think Elon might be right. Or like RPI is really good. 
but yeah, so let's just hope they make the tournament. Let's hope they keep this rolling. And not only is it a big win over against a ranked team, it's a big win against a conference opponent, which is, I, th- in my opinion, I think it's bigger than just taking down. Like at this point, the way it's setting up, you want to, you want a good conference rank so you can go into the CAA tournament in a good spot. And I think picking up a win over a ranked Towson team is huge. And football's number one. We already talked about football. Mm-hmm. Softball is number 24. They swept Elon. But here's the story that I haven't seen a lot, mainly because softball doesn't get the coverage it deserves, which is partly our fault considering we're like media itself and we don't really cover it the way it should be covered. Um, so slap on our wrist as well. But Odyssey Alexander's back. It seemed like, yes. I, I think she hasn't pitched for a month, and then she pitched 11 innings in the doubleheader against Elon, allowing I think like four runs total or something like that. Yeah, she's back, which is obviously huge. And, yeah, I, there wasn't a lot. I think Shane Metlin had mentioned maybe injury or something. She was expected her back, and now she's back. obviously massive. Um, she's the best player on the team, one of, the, like, 50 best players in the country. If you're looking at, like, Softball America rankings, she can pitch, she can hit. Huge. The fact that they also have Alyssa Humphrey, who has two no-hitters, and Odyssey Alexander, I think they're by far the best team in the conference. Um Although Delaware and Hofstra have good RPIs, that's really frustrating. Their schedule has been not great, JMU, and they've lost out on RPI chances where the last time I checked, they were like 47th, even though the polls have them at about 24. When do they play De- Do they play Delaware or Hofstra? I don't think they have either on the schedule. Delaware is definitely not. I can't remember if Hofstra snuck on. So it would be in the CAA tournament, um, which would give them a good chance. But again, like if you win those games, it's not really an RPI boost. It's like just the automatic bid. So those are going to be huge games. They also had beaten George Washington once, but that double header was rained out. If they can get that one back, it'd be huge because GW is a top 40 RPI team. And those would be road games and be massive. Even Longwood, who they play today when we're recording this is a top 100 team. So if you can get both those on a double header, it, it boosts you a little bit. So well, we've talked about this, at least I have, I think we both have with softball being really frustrating because like they're one of the 25 best teams and they get screwed because the conference stinks. Yeah. And this year when the conference doesn't completely stink, they don't play the two teams that are decent. <laughs> the only time they can play them is in the tournament and where a loss will only hurt them and a win does nothing. Yeah. But I appreciate you putting all this in a nice compact thing in the outline because it's, it's kind of wild that they have five teams right now that are nationally ranked. Yeah, it's great for them. And we'll try to hit Olympic sports harder and, and better than we have all season. I think we just ended up – I'm trying to get back to doing outlines because it keeps us more on task because before we would spend an hour just talking about football, rambling about it. But this keeps us at least somewhat – we can hit Olympic sports and has fun little stuff in it. So anything else you want to add? No, I'm excited uh, to, to watch some football this weekend, man. And I think the bracket's exciting. Yeah, I actually – for once since week one, I'm excited for Saturday. So – For Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Go Dukes, and the FCS playoffs are here. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.